Alright, my name is Sean Fallon, you're listening to episode 6, Firefly. Welcome to From First to Last. Hello again and welcome again. My name is Sean Fallon and this is from first to last. Uh, welcome to episode five. No, six now. Okay, so my guest today, he's a writer, he's a podcaster, he's why the chicken crossed the road. He's Devin Romeo Meenan. Hello, Devin. How are you today? I'm good. Happy to be on. Excellent. So, what show did you choose for us today? Uh, Joss Whedon's underrated, uh, well, maybe not underrated, but, uh, what's the word? Uh, it didn't quite get the treatment deserved. Uh, so anyway, Joss Whedon's, in my opinion, Joss Whedon's masterpiece, Firefly. Joss Whedon's masterpiece, Firefly. Awesome. So, with the numbers with Firefly, it's a bit different from usual, because um, like when I started this podcast, I said the rule was the show had to be three seasons long. And then I sort of bent that rule for Twin Peaks, and then now I'm just breaking that rule and just changing <laughs> it entirely. Yeah. This show only ran for 14 episodes from September 20th to December 20th, 2002. But um, it is only 14 episodes long, but what was actually aired, which we'll definitely get to, was only 11 episodes, I believe. Yeah, and, and, they, were, and they were aired out of order. And they were aired out of order, yeah. And then in 2005, yeah. we got the movie. So... Um, mm-hmm. I think it's... Well, let's get into it. So what's your experience with Firefly? Okay, I first came across it in 2012. I was still on that post-Avengers high. So I started mm. looking into other works that Joss Whedon had done. And I had heard of Firefly before, but I had never watched it. So after I had learned that the director of the Avengers had created it, I figured, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I watched in, like, maybe less than a week. I mean, obviously, it's not that difficult to do because there's only 14 <laughs> yeah. episodes. But I, I really fell in love with the series. It, I feel this was my first true experience with Joss Whedon's voice because I do enjoy the Avengers movies very much, but I find his voice to be a bit distilled in them. Whereas with mm. Firefly, it's his, it's his complete voice and his complete vision. And I just was completely captivated by it. And this was what convinced me to watch his other shows like Buffy and Angel, which I also love. So, mm. yeah. Oh, I was saying the thing with um, Firefly, like you say, with uh, Whedon's voice, it's not... You know, like Avengers is very much, you know, he's writing other characters, like characters he didn't invent. Yeah. And then even with like Buffy, he did invent the characters, but that sort of like archetype of high school and horror movies, again, is something that's been done before and he's interpreting it. But yeah. I think, yeah, you say Firefly is purely, it's brand new. It is, it is very much, there's no real precursor to it. You know, there are no. cowboy movies and there are space movies and there are movies about the Civil War and, and movies about bandits and stuff like that. But he makes it so unique in terms of like the language they speak and mm-hmm. the way that they speak. It is it is fascinating. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the way they speak. I think that's one of the most appealing aspects of the series to me because it truly feels like it, it it's set in a complete world. Like, um, mm. the, the world building is magnificent. Like the language has evolved. Like you mentioned, there's different slang. Like how language evolves over time, so they demonstrate that that aspect of it. Um, and that's uh, there's more to it, but um, but uh, we'll get into that later. Yeah, no, I mean it's it is very interesting because like for me, I came at it in a bit a really weird way. Um, uh, I used to live in Thailand. I was an English teacher over there. Oh, mm. and. I lived in a I lived in a hotel room for two years, which is a completely different story. And there was a, a movie channel 
And what it would do is it would play from, say, midnight to noon, and then it would play a different movie. And each movie would start on the hour. And then, so say a movie started at 6 a.m. in the morning, it would then run again at 6 p.m. So you could sort of wake up and see a bit of a film, make a note of it, and then catch it when you came home from work. So what happened to me was, like, I think it was just a random morning, and I was flicking through the channels, and I came to it. And I saw, say, the last 15 minutes of Serenity, the movie. Oh, and I was like, oh, oh, wow, this is fucking cool. Oh, so yeah, I was like, is. made a note. And I'm like, oh, okay, so in 12 hours, I'll come back and watch the whole film. And I did. <laughs> and it absolutely blew me away. But then I didn't, like, track down the series for another couple of years. And when I did, it didn't really do it for me. It, oh, wow. I think I watched, like, the first three episodes or the first two episodes and I don't know. It just—it was just a little bit too slow for me. Mm, that, yeah, the, I, I personally find the first few episodes take a little while to get going, but when it does get going, oh my god! Though that's interesting. You mentioned that because I've known quite a few people who are fans of the show that find the movie to be underwhelming. I don't agree, but I can somewhat understand where they're coming from. But I don't really know a lot of people who love the movie but not the series. So yeah, that, that was a bit weird. But like, it's, that has been interesting when I've spoken to people and Fireflies come up, and I've said like, "Oh yeah, movie, I'm all about it," but ne- the TV show never did it for me. They have always said that thing of like, "There's a f- there is like a wall you need to break through." Mm-hmm. Like the first couple of episodes are quite slow and quite plodding, and you just need to smash through that, and then it gets really good. Mm-hmm. On that rationale, what is what what did you think of the first episode rewatching it? Um, and and when I say it, first episode, I, we're talking about the pilot, you know, the Serenity yeah, pilot. Yeah, Serenity. Okay. Yeah, not not the train job. Um, okay, uh, it is a bit slow, like you said, but I think it works marvelously as an introduction to the characters in the world. The, everything you need to know about the characters is set established within a few minutes of meeting them. The world, like I said, truly feels complete. There's a lot of integrated world building that feels completely natural to the setting and the story, mm. and. Like you said, it is a bit slow. Uh, I feel like it took a while to get the pacing right, but the character... I'd say it's but the characters are all very well-established. I'd say it's probably the best pilot of Joss Whedon's TV shows. I find the Buffy pilot's not that great. I'm not mm-hmm. on Dollhouse, so the pilot of that, not great. Angel's pilot is probably the second best, though I still think Serenity ranked above it, probably because of the... Maybe because the length gives them time to explore the characters in the premise and depth, where so... Because it's... 80, it's 90 minutes long. The Serenity pilot is 90 minutes long, whereas the other pilots are just at regular 40 minutes. So Yeah. No, um, it's, yeah, I think watching it, I was struck by, it, it's sort of, because it is like 90 minutes long, it mm-hmm. is paced, it's paced like a movie. It's not paced it like a TV show. Yeah, it feels like a miniature movie in and of itself. Yeah, very much so. Like, um, it, it, it would actually, it does make a pretty good companion piece to the, the actual movie. It does, because, even the titles. It, I think they do work together, because, like, watching that, the last episode in the movie again for this, it does it does feel of all of one world. There's a few, like, continuity things, but for the most yeah. part, it's like, oh, yeah, this... You can almost see as if, like, Josh Whedon's wanted to make movies, but he's mm-hmm. had to make TV. So yeah. he's like, okay, well, I'm going to make TV like I'm making a movie. And that's mm-hmm. where the pacing stuff sort of comes in. Mm-hmm. Now... Obviously, at the start, we were saying there about the first episode. I probably should get into some of the, the stuff Fox did with this show, just because that, that tends to be the Firefly story. Yeah. Like, like you said there, like Serenity, the 90-minute pilot, was shelved for... Is it the train job? Yeah, that's why the first... I think that's why the first episode, episodes are a bit slow, because they have to reestablish the world, because they didn't get the chance to do that with the pilot. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, straight away when you watch, if you watch it in that order, it, it's just, it just feels wrong. You kind of just mm -hmm. tossed in randomly and it, it just, because I mean, I think that is, um, like, like you're saying at the start, there's 14 episodes, but they only aired 11 of them. So the last episode of the series was the last episode, but that was aired out of order anyway. And mm -hmm. then that, the, the Serenity pilot, I think, was, was aired at the end again, just when they were burning off the episode. So like it's hmm. it, it definitely feels like watching it i can i can i can sort of see what the issue the studio had with it because i think it is just, it's just a bit ahead, ahead of its time like a show like mm -hmm. that now very slow anti-hero in your main character very intense world building mm -hmm. you know in a world where game of thrones is the biggest thing that that show would now just be standard sort of stuff of like yeah you're getting this crazy world building you're not getting your hand held through it your main character's a bit of a bad guy in his own way but he's got a heart of gold mm -hmm. and the pacing is quite slow that would it would be it would do really well now i think but i think in 2002 yeah it was something so new that they all panicked yeah i i think just when it's shows in general at least uh buffy and angel and this tend to be slightly ahead of their time because Buffy and Angel are both very serialized and that was pretty mm. new to genre television when they first came out. Nowadays it's pretty standard. So Yeah, that's that's very true. Like talking about when I was talking about Buffy with um Diego, there was that idea of each each series having or each season, sorry, having one overarching villain yeah. but like little adventures in between. Which is really an ingenious idea of storytelling if you think about it. Yeah, I mean cause and then uh, again on this podcast talking to Austin about the X Files which tried to do the same thing, but didn't have, like, the overarching plot was sort of the mysterious conspiracy, so it was never locked down, mm -hmm. so you, it never, it didn't work as well for me. Whereas, the thing with Buffy, you could have episodes where it was just, oh, you know, there's a werewolf in town, and have a little adventure, and then the next episode could be, oh, the, can't think of one, the, the master or whoever has this big plot, and they've got to solve that, mm -hmm. and it would be just as interesting. Mm -hmm. Which is weird for those, like, those sort of shows, because you... To compare it to X-Files, you would have that thing of like, oh, fuck, it's a conspiracy episode. Okay, yeah, whatever. And you're just sort of like running out the clock. Whereas I think Buffy, they did they did well to balance those two ideas. Mm -hmm, definitely. Which, again, would be something that's very, like, you know, obviously serialization is is just what TV is now. Mm -hmm. you know, there's very little of the other stuff. Yeah. Looking at my notes, it's it's very interesting to sort of see that, like, the way it was filmed as well, like... He's got that thing of whenever the the alliance, uh, whenever it's on like the uh, you know that stupid alliance ship with the two big towers. Yeah. Everything's sort of like static cameras. It's very clean. It's very shiny. Mm -hmm. Everything with Firefly, handheld, very close, dirty, sort of like as if as if there is like another crew member who's got a camera who's filming them and follow them around. Yeah. And then anything with Inara and like the companions is all very like soft focus and dreamy and all that. Mm -hmm. And I think all that stuff's very much Josh Whedon saying like, okay, yeah, I'm making a TV show, but I want to be making a movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the cinematography, um, well, visuals more of it. I think I like the visual style of it. It manages to fit uh, the Western aspects and the sci-fi aspects. They do manage to gel fairly well. And just I think it's the scene in the Vedat and the Planet Persephone, is it? Um, like you get to see a wide variety of uh, people uh, and inhabitants of the verse, I, and you show, and mm. it really makes this feel like a, a complete world. Yeah, that's it. I mean, there's there's so much good world building with like the way they sort of drift into mm -hmm. speaking Chinese and that sort of mix of East and West. 
again, like I said, there is that thing of there's, there's never there's never that scene where someone's like, but why do you speak Chinese? And someone says, oh, because of this, this, and this. It's just, it just is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's comfortable. It's what everyone does. It is just the way of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think, again, probably terrified the network. And oh, that's yeah. why they, yeah. Yeah, I think I think probably the closest thing that comes to exposition, exposition is in the diner scene where, um, the, maybe not the diner scene, but dinner scene where uh, the, the Malins are talking with the passengers and then they kind of explain how the terraforming works and how there's a lot of planets now. Yeah. But um, even that manages to feel manages to feel somewhat natural because they manage to fit in character development with Mal's feelings about the Alliance. And it kind of foreshadows that Dobson's the mole because he's the one who defends the Alliance. Yeah, that's it. Like, there's not... It's not one of those, like... You know, it doesn't hit a wall of, like, oh... Because like, they could have had a whole thing of, like, the shepherd being like, oh, I've been in the Abbey for two years. Catch me up on what's happened since. Mm-hmm. You know, and they could be like, oh, well, what happened was there was a war and this and this and this. And I was like, no, 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 just... You can... If you've got half a brain, you can pick it up. Mm-hmm. You don't need it spelt out, which I think is which is very good. Definitely. Um, I think one thing that... Uh, one thing they do really well with Firefly, with the movie, with this as well, is, like, the villains. I think having the Alliance and the Reavers as the baddies is very, very clever. Like, having one side that represents just, like, you know, fascist order, Mm -hmm. and then the Reavers just representing just utter chaos, and then Firefly's just stuck in the centre of that, like, which I think is very good. Yeah, and it also plays with the uh, Western parallel, because that's kind of where America was, between the wild, untamed West and the more civilised East. Yeah, yeah, you've got like the Reavers being almost like the like the Native Americans, yeah. sort of like it's like a fifties Western version of it. Yeah, I think we didn't note that parallel in an interview or something. Now, with this um, like first episode, when you first watched it, were you instantly hooked, or did it take uh, a bit of time to break you in? Honestly, I think with the first time I watched it, I think I was pretty much instantly hooked. I found, mostly because the I found the character like the characters were fully formed. You knew everything you need to know about them, so that was. Managed to ease me into it very well. Um, the world building was really great, so it got me... Like, when I first heard the show, I was kind of confused by the setup of it. Like, a space western, okay, that's odd. But then when I actually watched it, it seemed pretty natural, so that helped ease me into it as well. Um, the dialogue, the more humorous elements of the dialogue made it entertaining, so that helped as well. And uh, what was it? Um, oh, the opening where they're salvaging the, the food stuffs from the ship, and then... The Alliance cruiser comes in and they're worried they may be caught. That scene, I felt there was a lot of genuine, palpable suspense in that scene. And that really, mm. the first time I watched it, that was really, almost made my heart race. So that hooked me a lot. Yeah, I had, I had the same thing with the um, with the Reavers, you know, when they're passing them. Oh, yeah, that, got... that, that's, that, that Zoe's line where they're like, when she describes what the Reavers will do, then that's in chills down my spine. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think that's genius. That's like, again, really good world building and exposition. Mm-hmm. Just to be like, oh, you know, what are they going to do if they catch us? Oh, well, they'll rape us to death, they'll eat our flesh, and they'll sew our skin into their clothes. And if we're lucky, they'll do it in that order. Yes. Like, right, great. Exposition, great snappy line of dialogue, and character. Because it shows that Zoe's just, like, terrified of them, but also ice cold. You know, yeah. she, she'd probably kill as many as, of them as they'd kill of them, like, you know. Yeah. And I think that's that's very good, like... And also, I didn't sort of realise this till later... But I obviously knew who the Reavers were from watching the movie. Mm-hmm. But in that first episode, they are a complete mystery. They're just these people who, as far as you know, are just savages on this shit, shit ship. It's like <laughs> all messed up. Mm-hmm. And that's all you know. 
Yeah, you like, know. That's, that's genius, because you're still very tense, even though you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. I imagine we would have got to see the rivers in their proper form had the series continued, because from what I understand, Serenity is a truncated version of what we didn't have planned for Season 2, but in, not introducing mm. them proper in the series, in the pilot, that's, like you said, that's a really great idea. Yeah, I mean, I get. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of confidence from Whedon, like having this really good villain, but sort of just hinting at it, and just having all this stuff. And it, I think, like you say, it, it does seem as though this show would have, if he just waited ten years and made the show, I think it would have definitely been better and been bigger. Definitely. But Battlestar Galactica, like the reboot of that, is only a couple of years after this, mm-hmm. and has sort of quite similar similar ideas you know it is sort it of does. a ragtag bunch of people on a ship there's no aliens more hard sci-fi approach yeah you know it is kind of um it's 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 not obviously not as fantastical as star wars and then a bit more uh a bit more pessimistic than star trek and that sort of genre of just like it's, it's almost where you'd put like alien you know yeah in my head like there is this sort of thing of like, yeah, we'd all love to go to space and it'd be all, you know, peaches and cream, but a lot of the same sort of stuff that's happening on Earth will happen up there. There'll still be a, still be a military, still be a working class, still be thieves. And I, I like that. I, I love that genre of just sort of, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, I think it's sort of like the genre is like living in space is shit. Yeah. <laughs> I can really think of like, um, and I think yeah. Firefly fits really neatly into that. Yeah, uh, I think that was, you mentioned that, that it's uh, kind of how the show demonstrates we'll still have the same problems in the future that we have today. I think that was Whedon's, almost Whedon's thesis for the series, because, you know, he likes to deconstruct genre mm. tropes. He does that a lot with Buffy and Angel horror tropes. Here he does it more with sci-fi tropes, because the Alliance can be kind of viewed as a deconstruction of the Empire from Star Wars. They're obviously very bureaucratic and borderline uh, dictatorial in, in an Orwellian fashion. But it's not motivated motivated out of like pure sadistic evil like Emperor Palpatine. It's more out of a bureaucrat. It's more a bureaucratic desire for control. Yeah, is... I mean that's it. There's no sort of shadowy figure at the top. It's like no, this is this is just the organization that's just in power. And... Mm-hmm. It's like the op uh, the operative's Gordon Serenity. Uh, he's not the fucky hero. The Alliance is in an evil empire, and this yeah. isn't a grand arena. That's really sums up the series. Yeah, very much so. Um, we'll move on to like. So first, let's talk about the last episode. So I recently did, obviously, you probably, well, you definitely saw it. The tw- I did a Twitter poll of what people believe is the final sort of episode or the final story of Firefly. Mm-hmm. And I think 93% of people said it was the movie. Yeah, um, I, de- I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I think um, I was just intrigued to see if there was anyone who thought, no, 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 as soon as the TV series ends, that's the end. So the last episode is um, Object in Space. Mm-hmm. Which I think was filmed in the wrong order. Not filmed, but I think aired in the wrong the, order. Yeah, the, I think the message was the last one filmed, but Object in Space is counted as the last episode. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't. Well, what did you think of it? What do you think of that episode? I really like it. Um, I'd say it's probably the best directed episode in the series. There's some. There's an ominous music. Uh, the ominous music really helps with the atmosphere. The in- exterior scenes outside the ship with early uh, walking on it, I think that's pretty creepy. Mm. Uh, there, uh, early is probably the best individual villain in the series because uh, this shit series didn't get a lot, didn't get time to really develop recurring villains because you know only fourteen episodes. But I imagine yeah. he's one. He's definitely the most memorable from once they did get a chance to include. Yeah, he reminds. Have, have you seen the second series of Fargo? The second season of Fargo? I have not. 
There's a character in that called Mike Milligan, and he reminded me loads of him, like, that sort of super calm, philosophical... Like, in Fargo, like, Mike Milligan's character will just go off on these random tangents about nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same as early, where he's like, you know, yeah, but if she's not in the room, is it still her room? Yeah. You know, it's just all this, like, sort of very calm and sort of drift... He's, like his mind's just like darting from subject to subject, which is very interesting. Yeah, uh, and I feel early. I think I'm not the first person to know this, but early is kind of a deconstruction of the idea of a badass anti-hero bounty hunter that you see a lot in sci-fi. Uh, yeah. He's, as River points out, he's not some cool, ad, cool, uh, admirable anti-hero. He's just a sadist use, using a uh, using the, his job as an opportunity to indulge in his violent impulses, and his insanity is just a masquerade for that. Yeah, and again, stuff like that is very, like, I think now that is stuff that we kind of, we have a lot in culture of, like, that sort of idea of deconstructing these big stories, and Whedon's good for that with, like, um, you know, with uh, Age of Ultron, like, deconstructing what a hero is and what a superhero is and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And, like you say, Buffy and Angel deconstructing horror tropes, making the blonde cheerleader the hero and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I say taking that character, taking the Boba Fett character and saying, yeah, but a person who would actually be a bounty hunter isn't going to be like Clint Eastwood in The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. He's yeah. going to be some, you know, he could be someone who's just out there just to cause pain. Like, yeah. And that's, but, he, but society, you could hide behind that idea of like, oh, I'm just a man doing a job. Like, well, no. Well, yeah. And then a re- different job then. You know? Yeah. River says like, he tries to sit. Locker suggesting like uh, with his, this statement, I live by a code, and then River just instantly shoots that down, which is yeah. a great scene. Yeah, but, no, fantastic. Yeah. How, how do you feel of it as the last episode? Like, if this if um, there was no movie, if this was the last episode? Okay. Um, it obviously I feel there is a degree of finality with it, at least in regards to River's character, because we mm. finally find out what her abilities are, and she seems to finally be accepted by the crew, and she has a degree of lucidity at the end, which we're talking now which is probably the most lucid she's ever really been in the series. So I think there is a slight degree of finality to it, but if I really don't think it serves as a really good finale to the movie. As a, I mean, the series as a whole, the movie, I think the movie, really, they really need the movie to wrap up the story. I, I definitely think so. Like, um, watching that Objects in Space, I didn't, I didn't realize how dark the show was. Like, there's yeah. some really dark stuff. Like, it's... Um, when Early's talking to Kaylee in the oh, engine room, that, that is horrifying. That is yeah. harrowing, that scene. Yeah, Jewel State really, does, props to her, she really nails Kaylee's terror in that scene. Yeah, no, she she definitely just has the full range of just like, yeah, you say just utter terror. She's not sort of like pantomime scared. She is just, and it's and it's a long lingering scene. Yeah, it, it it's really uncomfortable to watch. I feel like um that whole violation theme kind of plays into the episode as a whole because Early's basically invading their home and I think River states like he's when River is pretending to like be Serenity he mentions that uh she Early crawled into her like the ship yeah so it was it to be honest, watching that episode made me want to go back and watch the rest of them like I I to see the how the show progresses over the course of you know ten or eleven episodes and like okay yeah. so because that. In comparison to those first episodes, which were quite slow and explanatory and all that, that was just like whip fast, just done. Yeah, it did. Two minutes, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so if they're capable of that, 
it might be I, I think to myself oh, yeah i could go back and and fill this in i think this is might be worth my time mm-hmm. which i think i'm definitely going to make a project to sort of watch those missing 10 episodes that i haven't seen oh you should um because this is something i wanted to talk about earlier but um there's a lot of minor continuity in between the episodes which is why you really have to watch them in order like maybe mm-hmm. something like maybe the events of the previous episode will play into the next episode like in I think in the 11th episode they pull a job, then in the 12th episode it's the, the episode opens with them trying to sell what they stole from the previous job, and then okay. in the and then in the pilot I think Kaylee mentions that the ship's uh, part of the ship's engine is could oh, bust the, the, could, the compressor or something. The, the com- yeah. compression coil, yeah. It meant, she mentions yeah. that it could bust like any day, and that becomes the pivotal in the plot of the eighth episode out of gas, which I think is the best episode of the series. So, okay, okay, yeah. so that's yeah. No, I'll definitely have to have to give that a look. Yeah, the 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 minor continuity really makes it feel, again, makes it really feel like a complete world. Whereas with Star Trek, it's not; it's just episode to episode. With Firefly, yeah. it, it actually plays into the, the the serialized nature of it. That's good. Well, again, probably again ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, with the obviously with Firefly, it's very different from when we talked about Breaking Bad and Buffy and Twin Peaks. Like, well, probably actually not not so much Twin Peaks, but obviously you've got a definite first and last episode. But as ninety three percent of people have told me on Twitter. The last episode is really Serenity the movie. Yeah. Now, what's your what's your opinion of the movie? I really like it. Uh, I think I I know some people are dissatisfied dissatisfied with it, but I really like it. Um, I truly count it as a, an extended episode of the series. I think it's compulsory that if you watch the series, you have to watch the movie because it's really the ending of the series. And there are some different aesthetic differences because you know bigger budget, but I, it yeah. fits the vibe that I think we didn't created for this world and it stays truthful to the message and the message and the ideas behind the series. No, I'll agree. I to be honest, I think it's I would definitely say it's as good as Star Wars. You know, I, I, I absolutely I honestly I honestly think I might agree. It's perfect in its execution and its ideas. Yeah, I I cannot argue with it at all. I think um I recently did for audiences everywhere, I um did it as like a Netflix hidden gem. Oh so okay. I rewatched it a couple of months ago and yeah, I was just like, this movie is perfect. I, I can't, I, for someone who wasn't a fan of the TV show, I was like, I, I, can't, I don't know why I enjoy it so much, but it's just, I think it's got great, great dialogue, great action, all the characters are great. Yeah. Um, I mean, having, uh, the, that movie started my little love affair with Chuitl Ajirfa. Like, oh. as soon as I saw him, I was like, I need to see everything this guy's been in. Oh yeah, it's amazing that it, it's, confounding that it took so long for him to become an A-list Hollywood star. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And then, like, because there was a point where, yeah, there was a, maybe a couple of years after this, he was in, uh, rumoured to be in the running to be the new Doctor Who. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, that would just be so good. And then obviously the next minute he was just the biggest movie star. And I'm like, ah, I'm probably not going to get that now that he's been nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I, he, his, his part, I think, is top five best villains i think he's just so good at that just dead-eyed uh just devout zealous faith you know he definitely what he's doing is right in his mind like definitely yeah i think he's definitely whedon's best villain maybe on par with angelus but yeah yeah um like uh here's uh, here's something i wanted to mention i feel like in a lesser writer the operative's ultimate fate would have been him falling on his own sword like really predictable like that but no whedon manages to make a much more fitting ending to character in that he loses his belief, and that's really the the movie makes a point that if you don't believe in something, then you're not really living. And so, at the end of the series, I mean, the movie, he really, he's lost his belief in that what he's doing is right, and then you can see he's just become a 
really hollowed by it and he doesn't really have a point to his life anymore. Yeah, that's it. Like, it would be very easy just to have Mal shoot him or yeah. whatever, but like to have that thing of, um, and like I say, and to again, with we'd like to deconstruct that sort of idea of a villain in the sense of like, no, he's not doing something out of sadism or evil. He's just got a job to do and he's doing it. Yeah, and, and then you... when his when the thing he believes is turned on him, that's that's punishment enough. Definitely, and you like it's interesting how that scene where he talks with Mal after these after the massacre. And he says he openly acknowledges that what and realizes what he does is evil, but it's in service of greater good, and that's why he continues to do it. It's, it, I think, that's a really multifaceted view of this type of character, and that he recognizes that what he's doing is wrong, but he has to do it because he believes it will ultimately lead to a better world. Yeah, that's it. well, I mean, that that whole scene has one of my one of my favorite lines in anything, where I think it's the the operative says to Mal, like, you know, oh, we're not so different, you and I. Yeah, and Mal's like, "Well, I don't kill children," and the operative's like, "I do," and I just I remember seeing that for the first time, being like, "Oh my god, that's such a good line!" Yeah, because it just just shapes him perfectly of just like matter of factly, just like, "Yeah, well, I do kill children." I, I think it's "I do" if it you know if they get in my way or if it, I do if I'm getting I do line. if I have to. That's one. If I have to, yeah, you yeah, know, and that's it. Like, okay, well, that's that again. It's not sort of like I do, ha 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 ha. It's yeah. I do. Because I'm making a better play, I'm making a better world for us all. So there are some, you know, some eggs need to be broken for this perfect omelet. Mm-hmm. Children eggs. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Um, yeah, but uh, I guess moving away from the operative and going to the opening. Uh, you mentioned earlier how we didn't. Well, we mentioned earlier how we didn't manage to fit exposition in really organically, and the opening yeah. is just a perfect display of that. He manages to perfectly introduce the characters and establish their personalities all in more or less a single take without. It ever feeling forced, like because if you look at the dialogue of that opening scene really, really uh, deeply, it does. It, a lot of it is exposition and goes out of its yeah. way to introduce details to the characters. But it all feels organic, both with the actors' delivery and the way the lines are composed. And it's just masterclass writing. Yeah, no, I mean, like when I think Mal speaks to Jane and just says, uh, "No grenades." Yeah, and Jane's like, "Oh, can I just take one?" He's like, "No, no grenades." I'm like, okay, cool. That's very quickly Jane's character all in one. Yeah. And then a couple of lines of dialogue, you've got him in your head, right? Move on to the next person. And, uh, that line comes back into play when they're getting chased by the Reavers, and Chains is like, it would be great if we had some grenades right now. Yeah, that's, yeah. So it's like exposition dialogue, but also a setup for a future joke. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's very good. Very good to sort of like keep those those plates spinning. That that opening sequence with the with the robbery that goes wrong, and then again you get the your full thing of the Reavers and all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, watching the film, it's so lean. You know, there's no fat on it. Just everything leans on everything else, and everything else makes sense. And also, uh, there's a minor thing. I love how in the uh, the operative asks like the hologram of River, "Where are you hiding, little girl?" Then it instantly goes to the title card, surrounding it answers this question. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, very, very good. Yeah, like the um, yeah, it's it's just such a I I can't imagine. You, I don't know if you ever had it. Like, I can't imagine not liking it. I can't, I can't pick holes in it myself. Like even sometimes, like the stuff that I really, really like. But if someone says to me, "Oh, I don't like it," then I can sort of think to myself, "Okay, well, if you weren't into this, you can, you know, like say, I'm a big fan of the Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. Love it. Yeah, me too, of course. But if someone said to me, "Oh, it's this, this, and this," I could say, "Yeah, I can, you know, I can see what you're saying." Yeah, there. yeah, I can, I can pick I a can. few part. But if those things don't affect me, and I don't, they don't matter to me. Yeah, with Serenity, I'm like, if you're a fire, fire, fire. fire Firefly fan, 
what's not to like? Yeah, I really <laughs> like. It feels a bit more traditionally sci-fi than the series, but other than that, I don't understand how you, if you like Firefly, you can like this movie. I mean, I think it is as it's it still ret- retains a lot of darkness. Yeah, I think definitely. the characters are true to the series. I feel like um. Okay, I think we had mentioned in an interview once he kind of intended Mal to be a little darker than he is in the series. Because if, if you watch the pilot, which I think is closer to Wien's intended vision, he is a bit more closed off and emotionally. Yeah. And whereas in the in the series itself, he's not a goofball or anything, but he's a, a bit more chipper during his attitude. And in this yeah. one, and in this one, he's a, he's more back to the original uh, emotionally closed off, uh, hard-hearted bastard that he was in the pilot. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's why it makes a good double feature to have, yeah. like, the pilot and then the movie, because that character mm-hmm. is still... It's, I think it, it does trace a good arc for him to have, like, starting the pilot in the war, you know, kissing the crucifix, being all full of hope, yeah. and then you have him on the ship and everything's all sort of gone to shit. Yeah. And then when Serenity starts, he's still... Like, Serenity, the movie, he is, like you say, he's still got PTSD, he's still war-torn. Mm-hmm. And then as the movie goes along, he, he doesn't sort of have that moment where it's like, oh no, it's all washed away from me now. He sort of just gets a good victory over the Alliance. Mm-hmm. And they go from there. And I think that works as a thing rather than him... You know, it'd be very easy to have the film if, like, you know, we knows the film's going to be the last bit of, um... The, the last bit of, like, you know, Firefly merchandise, yeah. media or whatever. Mm-hmm. To have, you know, at the end, Mal gets together with Inara and... The ship's perfect and the alliance has completely fallen and yeah know, just ride off into the sunset yeah but it's like no in, in the real world sometimes sometimes you don't win and sometimes when you do win it's only a little win but it's a big win to you yeah mm-hmm. and i think that's good like it'd be very easy to sort of have the blowing up the death star moment at the end but instead it's like no we've given the alliance a good kick in the teeth but it's not going to phase them they're not going to you know, they're not, the alliance isn't going to collapse and it's not going to be like that the independents are suddenly given all the power. It's like, no, yeah, but you've given them something to think about mm-hmm. and now you're still on the run, but at least you're on the run for something really good. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's a common trait in Wayne's writing. Like, again, he likes to deconstruct tropes and I think this is just a larger example of that because it's a common thread as a writing that he, I, he, the, he, the villains have power and the heroes can't really uh, rip that away from them, but they can still try and like, too good mm. like that you that's a common theme. that's probably the central theme of angel and it stays true to its finale and this is another example of that yeah but i mean i think this uh, the like in terms of mal and his development when you get that scene where he's like you know you all came onto this boat for different reasons and he oh that scene is just says, perfect and at the end where it's just like i aim to misbehave like oh that's a good that's a good cowboy speech yeah it really is um and it shows like he finally believes in something again like he says that there there has to be justice for the the people who died on miranda where in, yeah in the series proper he doesn't really like shepherd says he doesn't believe in anything anymore he's just trying to go his way and stay out of trouble but now he's found something that that a, a cause can rally behind again for the first time since the independence and that's he's got to drive to see it fulfilled and that you know in terms of like an ending to serenity if that is the last bit of firefly you ever get mm-hmm. i think that is a good ending i think that is i honestly think it is as well uh, if, yeah. if we never get another continuation of firefly i'm perfectly satisfied with serenity being the culmination of the series because i think that ending scene with Valon river is just beautiful yeah i mean because you do get that whole thing of sorry <coughs> you do get that whole thing like throughout thank you the whole thing throughout <laughs> the series of um you know well from what i've watched of the series like river is very much she's the albatross isn't she on the ship like she's yeah. causing them bad luck and all that mm-hmm. and then sort of like you say to have the final scene be you know she's piloting the ship with mal 
they're talking about the the ship as a home and all that and she's lucid and she's talking and he sort of had his big victory and he seems a bit happier with himself mm-hmm. and to have that as the ending it's sort of a nice hopeful thing of like well maybe things are going to be okay now yeah they've they, we've lost you know you've lost the shepherd you've lost wash but you know there's still space is a big place you know things are gonna there's gonna be more stuff to happen but we're just never gonna see it but there's there's gonna be adventures in the future and that's fine you know yeah i think it's better that than sort of like you say having the scene where you know it cuts to 40 years later and mal and anara live on a ranch on some planet somewhere with a bunch of kids and it's just yeah. like you know they yeah. live in a ranch that's made out of the hull of the fire uh, for the oh. serenity ship oh, and, God. and you know yeah, that, I mean, that's not the kind of, that ending wouldn't have fit with the series, and so, but this uh, more up, uh, ambiguously hopeful ending that the movie actually gives us fits so much more and is honestly so much more beautiful because of it. Yeah, it's quite similar to the Buffy ending, like... Um, yeah, and, and the angel, well, the angel ending is a bit more dark. Yeah, well, the, the angel ending, I've only ever, I haven't seen it, I just, like, sort of oh. read about it, but that's uh, very much a kind of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid ending, isn't it, where they sort of run into the battle? Yeah, knowing they're not going to survive, but determined to fight the good fight anyway. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, the ending of the Buffy one, again, Buffy doesn't, they don't cut to the future where Buffy's like married with kids or whatever, or she, yeah. you know, there's a hint of like, oh, there is another Hellmouth in another place. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, you've won this battle, but there's always going to be a war. Yeah. But it's how comfortable you are fighting that war and how, you know, you've got to treasure the victories. And that's why, I mean, the last shot of Buffy where even though they're talking about in the background, everyone's like, well, we've got to go to Cleveland and there's another Hellmouth there. Buffy just has a big smile on her face because she's won a little bit. On that day, she's won, you know, whatever. And I feel like it's the same with the end of Firefly. It's like, well, you know, the war's still going on, but we've won for now. So that's good. Let's let's leave it there. Yeah. On that ending, I think it's very fitting that the last character we see in the series is Serenia herself, the ship. Yeah. Yeah, because that's really what the series is about. It's about these people finding peace on this ship. That's why it's called Serenity, because they found more or less peace on the ship. But... Ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even actually more fitting is the fact that the last the last line is, you know, a bit of the ship falling off. Oh, yeah. It's like, what, what the hell was that? You know, because yeah. I think it is very much that sort of thing of like, yeah, you, they're not going to have a perfect sort of fly off into the sunset ending. You do need the fact that, oh, yeah, they are still on this rust bucket of a ship that's falling apart. Yeah. Just to remind you that just so it doesn't end too with too much. Um, yeah, I guess that's suffering. a reminder. I guess that ending is that, that with the peace falling out of the ship is kind of a reminder that there's going to be trouble in the future, but they'll manage to sail on. Yeah, like, like River's line, the storm's getting worse, but Mal says we'll pass through it soon enough. That's kind of the definitive ending for the series, and well, not definitive, but it ends the series on a good note that stays true to the themes. Yeah, very much. So. I mean, I think they do that quite. They Whedon does that quite well as well with. Um, Again, like you're sort of using flying the ship and the ship as a metaphor. Like when Mal says to Zoe, you know, oh, how's she doing? And, you know, Zoe's like, oh, she's been through, you know, she's been battered around, but she'll she'll fly true. And obviously she's just talking about herself. Yeah. But it's a, again, it's a good thing of like her, Zoe and Mal are, you know, military and they, they know each other as warriors. So there's not going to be that scene of like Mal giving her a big hug and her having a cry. It's like, no, this is how she's processing... Yeah. This is how she's processing her grief. And this is how Mal would talk to her about it. And again, even though these characters are, you know, they're only 14 episodes in a movie old, Whedon has them just locked, you know, just straight away. Like that, that scene feels very true to these characters, even though we haven't really known these characters for very long. 
he's got in his head and he's he's writing it perfectly who these characters are and how they would react to any situation, which is incredible. Yeah. And uh, you bring up how Mal and Zoya are soldiers, and uh, going back to the pilot when there's the scene where Mal, Zoe, and Jen are in Badger's den, and Badger tells Mal how he may be a captain and a criminal now, but in his heart he's still a soldier. I think that's definitely one of the core traits of Mal, Mal's character that permeates throughout the series. That's mm. I think that, that soldierly bond is why he's so protective of the crew, and why he's determined to do the right thing in spite, and even when it's the odds are stacked against him, and there's no real way for him to truly come out as the ultimate victor, but soldiering on i guess yeah no very much well i did have in my notes like an interesting thing is like mal when i was watching it to sort of use the star wars comparison mal's character because he's you know, he is like an anti-hero he's quite dark and he's quite unfriendly yeah he's like i imagine he's what han solo is before han solo meets luke oh you know that, yeah that idea of just being you know you've got to do the job you got to do this and so on and there's no real time for you know being friendly or not shooting people yeah. and then like mal doesn't meet luke so mal just always stays that way like whereas han solo goes on to be you know yeah a general and a hero I guess, and whatever i guess you could argue maybe river and simon are the equivalent of mal of han meeting luke mal meeting them but uh yeah. it only brings more trouble on them because you know fireflies, <laughs> yeah because you know fireflies and star wars it's not the universe where the rebels win and everything everyone lives happy ever happily ever after yeah that's it exactly that's the sort of thing like and um, that's the I think it's a good commentary because it's not sort of like, oh, Star Wars is bullshit because of this, this, and this. It is sort of like, yeah, that's one way of looking at it, and this is another way of looking at it. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that works really well. And I think, like we were saying at the start, that that sort of I'm a big fan of that genre of like, it's it's sort of like unromantic space travel. I guess it tends to be stuff that doesn't really involve like diplomatic aliens. You know, it, it is yeah. stuff like, um, like you say, Battlestar Galactica where it's just human beings and robots and then like even the movie alien or aliens you have god aliens but they're not like you know pe- they don't look like people and they don't want to negotiate peace they're just monsters mm-hmm. uh, the reavers kind of fit with them yeah you know? yeah very much so yeah like that sort of idea of um you know space is by definition pretty scary so yeah. they, they do yeah you know so you do have these scary things it's not all clean lines and holographic food you know it is yeah. it is going to be a bit rubbish uh, like you mentioned space is a scary uh, it's a scary place the series does a great job of showing that just in mm. actual space itself like out of gas they're stranded in space with no hope of rescue uh, the show this episode does a great job of showing why that is actually a fucking terrifying situation to be in uh object in space um or when early gets stranded in space they make a point of how he's there's no hope for him he's going to die out there which, yeah. is, kind of, which is kind of funny because he ends up as an object in space oh uh, yeah <laughs> there you go well um <laughs> I think, like you say, with Firefly making space scary is the fact that he does the the fact it's silent. Oh yeah, I, lo- I love that so much. Yeah, that's that. It's, it's such a very simple little thing, but like I noticed, like I, obviously they do it in the movie, and I think it is like it's it's such a when you've got those scenes of people like doing spacewalks and stuff, and it is just completely silent mm-hmm. except for their voices. You are like, oh crap, yeah, because you know, one wrong turn and you sort of fall off something. You pick up enough speed and you're just gone. Yeah, you know, and you're just gonna float away. Like, and I think it's very claustrophobic and it's very good. Whereas it's not all like laser beams and shit like that. It is like, no, no, no. Space is a vacuum. There's no sound. There's no air, and it's freezing cold. And if you go out, you go out at your own risk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, one of the like a weird thing that's never really been done in that sort of show before, but very, very good. Like a mm-hmm. very good touch. 
Right, do you have anything you want to add? Okay, um... Any, any sort of pressing things in your mind that you need to get off your chest about Firefly? <laughs> um, okay, we covered most of what I want to say, but I guess I'm a, uh, I'll guess i go back to it. Um, I really like how Mal and Zoe are just friends, platonically. There's no romantic romantic tension between them. It's like, yeah. definitely, uh, like, uh, Wash gets worried about him, Wars for his there's nothing for him to worry, be worried about. They're just, they completely trust each other, and I'd say they do love each other, but platonically. Yeah, well, uh, by all accounts, the network wanted them didn't want Zoe and Wash to be married because they wanted the, the door to be open for a will-they-won't-they they with Zoe and Mal. Yeah, but I guess they, they, guess they kind of think they get that with Inara. Well, I, I think all those sort of stuff, like, and I'm sure you 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 know all this, but, like, if you Google Fox, Firefly, fuck-ups, you know, <laughs> there are just, like, lists and lists and lists of how the network just did not know what to do with the show. Really, they really didn't. And I feel like um I mentioned in our earlier uh, apparently the idea of a space hooker was intri- was implemented was worked on the show by Fox and to Wien's credit he really did his best to give make Anara a nuanced character in her own right and they yeah. and he manages to avoid and he and despite the fact that she's you know a prostitute he manages to avoid it her being demeaned by that she manages to become a very strong female character which is which he yeah writes a lot but you know yeah well that's it yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, I think it's fascinating as well, because, like, I do feel as though Firefly sort of had its truncated run, and it was a big tense thing, and then after that, obviously, there was Dollhouse, and he went, and Josh Whedon went through the same thing. It's interesting now, because I imagine he could probably walk into any TV network today and just pitch madness, and they'd be like, yeah, 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 you know, anything to put his name on, like, yeah, where it, it's interesting to think, like, this guy went, you know, Firefly, cancelled after one season, got his movie, made Dollhouse, cancelled after two seasons, and then his next step was The Avengers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, he's still, you know, you can still sort of fail upwards, it's good. Yeah. And then um, I think now, yeah, you could, I don't know what he's going to do next, but yeah, he could go back to TV and just pretty much get anything made, I think. Definitely. Um, okay, there's some minor details about the pilot, I kind of wanted to get into it, we're going to scurry around back to that, but... Of course. Okay. Um, I feel like Dobson's character is kind of a personification of the Alliance, because uh, mm. uh, like his first name is Lawrence L A W is first letters of that. Maybe I'm looking too deep into that, but I don't think that's, <laughs> that's fine. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, he mentions when he reveals that he's the Alliance uh, agent on the ship, and he's holding Mal and Simon at gunpoint. He mentions he doesn't care about as far as he's concerned. They're all culpable for this. So, and he's yeah. just kind of, that's kind of the Alliance's bureaucratic nature slipping in. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the scene where he's holding River Hodges and Mal just walks in without breaking stride and shoots him straight in the, right in the face. Yeah. That scene is just, per- that scene is just perfect. Yeah, I think that, that is genius. Like, the whole, the whole Dobson sort of plotline has been sort of like, almost sort of like a bit of a chess match of like, oh, this person's going to betray you and this and this and this and all the pieces are moving around. And then Mal just comes in just tired. <laughs> Just shoots him. Yeah. Jane, they both grab him, just chuck him unceremoniously off the back of the ship, get in and go. Yeah. And I think that's very much your sort of... Um, it's almost like the hand shoots first scene, you know, that idea of having this character who you are supposed to really like. But he is just, you know, he is a brutal criminal who will, you know, shoot his way out of trouble. Yeah. And, and I think that's very cool. And, like, uh, you mentioned how Mal's still a brutal criminal. The whole That really applies to the crew as a whole, because the show ma- makes a point that they are you know, criminals, and they're doing crime, but, like, I think yeah. Kay- I think Kaylee mentioned that as a line like that in the second episode, but, like, uh, whereas the Alliance obviously are very dictatorial, but they are, they aren't, like, 
sadists. They aren't doing it out of like a malicious desire to just do evil. They're trying to like because they genuinely believe they're trying to make a better world. Like Serenity shows, they're trying to create a world without sin, and yeah, and that that movie shows like how that really takes away everything that makes people human. But that's a conversation yeah, another no. time, I guess. No, I mean, I think yeah, you say that is fascinating because there's not like it isn't again to use the Star Wars comparison. You can sort of see like you know the Empire just want to control everything and kill anyone in their way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Whedon does have a little bit more nuance with um, with the Alliance, or from the from the episodes I've seen, of um, yeah, they're just the just the people in charge, and they just don't want these smugglers fucking their stuff up. Yeah. But at the same time, you do always have that thing of like, yeah, but they did experiment on River. Mm-hmm. You've always got that little like, yeah, there is an evil element in there, mm-hmm. which I think just keeps them that little bit because you don't want it to be a thing of like it's too grey and you don't you want to see the you don't want it to be a thing of like well i can sort of see the alliance's side in this You're like well i can but at the same time they did experiment on children so and they did and they killed millions of people with the miranda experiment <laughs> yeah and then later yeah of course and then later on you're like oh yeah no, no they are they are baddies they probably had good intentions there is the thing mal says where it's like you know, yeah, okay, they failed here, but what's stopping them from doing it in five years, ten years? They'll they'll try again. Yeah. You know, and he, you know, it is that sort of thing of, like, they're not going to learn from the mistakes unless their mistakes are shoved in their face. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, Mal's a really, really great line when the, he's facing down the operative, and the operative tells him that because of his, action, because of his actions, nearly, millions of people are getting killed in the air right now, and then Mal tells him, you have no idea how true that is in reference to the Reavers. So it really shows yes. how Mal does kind of view them as victims because it wasn't they didn't choose to become these mindless savages it's yeah. it was, it's the result of the alliances fuck up again that's it that talking about uh, that scene or this like the earlier scene that whole thing of where like the full alliance fleet are uh awaiting for them and there's like the gas cloud mm-hmm. and then the the serenity comes through and Teresa lagia is like crazy bastard not even changing course lock on and fire just like let's yeah. just get this fucking done with and then the Reavers just just through the cloud, like, oh, my God, that's so good. That's, it really is. Oh, that's so satisfying. And it's just like, it's like again, I, a GFA's face, just big wide eyes, like, shoot, shoot, you know. I really think, think I think that's the only time in the movie he really loses his cool. So that's yeah, yeah. a really great scene. Um, and uh, back to that uh, scene where him and Mal are talking about the in the compound, and Mal says, like, uh, the operative asks him, do you really believe that? And Mal says, I do. And then, are you willing to die for that belief? I am. That scene is just like a perfect watermark for mouse character development, and it's just beautiful. Yeah, very much so. Because you, you, it's it's it kind of goes back as well. Because you've got you know, as Shepard Book dies, he does say you know, just believe in something. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it is. Just find something and believe in it. And like, as it, and you know, that's what's going to save you. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, to have that like. I mean, it's the same belief that he's always had, that the Alliance are bad guys, mm-hmm. but it's just now that it's more concrete. It's less of sort of, you, you know, we all have our beliefs of who bad people are, but, you know, you do need a, you know, there might be a defining moment in your life where you're like, oh, no, they're a bad person because of this thing, you know? Yeah. Like, we all know Donald Trump's a baddie. Oh, yeah. But if Donald Trump came in now and punched me in the face, I'd be like, oh, no, he's a baddie and he did this. You know, <laughs> I have a particular grievance against him now. Yeah, and I think with Mal, it is that thing of like, yeah, we all know the alliance is bad, but to actually be on Miranda and watch that, watch the hologram and have encountered the Reavers, you can give it a net, you can give that that feeling towards them a name, and that's mm-hmm. what he believes in. Like, and I think that's that's brilliant. Definitely. 
Um, this is a bit more minor, but I think it's kind of it's a very subtle touch. But I think it's kind of ingenious how the fi- the last thing we see of Anara is her walking into the kitchen to join the rest of the crew, because the series kind of points out how mm. she's kind of isolated from the rest of the crew. She's not truly a member of them, and I think it's kind of like in the pilot when she's the only one not eating with them at the dinner scene. So her having her join the crew, deciding to stay on the ship and walking into the kitchen to join the rest of the crew, kind of shows she's truly become part of it. Yeah, that's it. No, it's it is a shame. Like I think. It would be. It would have been nice to sort of the the, the movie to be massive and everyone and there had been another like another movie or another se- another season of the show. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people who are big fans of TV shows and they just get one season and that's it. I mean, at least with Firefly, we got the movie. Yeah, definitely. I think that makes it all worth it. Because uh, here's something: when I first heard the show, I was kind of reluctant to watch it because I heard it only got 14 episodes and it was cancelled after yeah. that. And I really don't like getting into shows with that, like that because, you know, she's just in for inevitable disappointment because you don't get to see how it ends. But then when I heard yeah. them, it was really when I found out the movie existed that I started watching the show. I was like, okay, so we do get a definitive ending. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's it. I sort of did a similar thing with Twin Peaks. I was like, oh, so there's two seasons and I know, I pretty much know how it ends. Oh, but there is a movie. Maybe that'll wrap it up. And I had the complete opposite of, of experience of what Firefly is because that movie wraps up nothing and yeah. it's terrible. Okay. So. Yeah. Very, very different, whereas Serenity sort of wraps it up and is one of my favourite ever movies, so yeah. it's a very good experience. It's one of my favourites too, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, it's 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 fantastic. It's um it's such a a cra it's it's such a weird film in the sense of how dark it is, but also how fun it is. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many really fun sequences and so much darkness in it that it just balances I mean, I think that is Josh Whedon to a T. Like he has that ability to go pitch black dark and then really silly humor mm-hmm. and and he balances that so well to like it doesn't feel like a huge tonal shift like that final scene well not final scene but that that scene where the crew are sort of sieged in the room and the reavers are going to break in and that's obviously terrifying because it's sort of like oh this is the last stand and they just got to make a last stand as long as mal can do the thing mm-hmm. and that scene is so tense and so many people are getting like shot and all that but there's loads of jokes in there as well yeah that keep it going like a lot of the kaylee stuff's very funny and very sweet amidst all this sort of darkness and all that and i think that that is the sort of genius of whedon in that sense to be able to find it's it's to find the humor in a very dark situation and to find the darkness in a very funny situation oh yeah which i think works very well i think that's maybe why some people aren't so fond of his work that that not i wouldn't say inconsistency but that shit that melding between light and uh light and dark is you know warm fun and all that i i give you props for your funny server piece on that but that's a discussion mm. for another time <laughs> well i think that is la- last bit and then we'll wrap yep. up like i think that was a bit of a beef that people had with um age of ultron yeah, definitely. was the fact that like ultron telling jokes and being a bit silly mm-hmm. as a character and i think that was something that people had a lot of trouble with but if you i, I think it is one of those things if you're someone who likes josh whedon i think you can see why he's doing it. If it works or it doesn't work, you can sort of see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And you can sometimes, and that can be enough. Because I was sort of watching it, and when Ultron did start speaking and some of the dialogue, I was like, oh shit, this is this is what he's going for. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I'm into this. And then it grew on me as the, sh- as the movie went on. But I can imagine people who aren't keen on his voice just being like, no, yeah. not at all. Yeah. I'm not a fan of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me and, me and Diego did talk about that, like the idea of Whedon dialogue is very tough to act and very and sometimes can be very effective yeah it's very it's very idios- idiosyncratic yeah very much so but i think firefly with his sort of 
crazy mix of like old, new, Chinese, uh, cowboy. Like a lot of Mal's dialogue is 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 very affected, and some of the words he uses and stuff like that. But I love it. I think it's really yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's like music. It is. Now, <laughs> even the opening scene, the opening theme of the series, I think that works really well when read as a poem. Yeah. yeah, no, very much so. So, Devin, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at DevinM626. You can also find me on Letterboxd at Devin Meenan, capitals for the first two words of that. Uh, I actually wrote a brief write-up on Serenity, if you want to if people are interested in that. Oh, fantastic. Um, well, me, obviously, you can read my movie writing at audienceseverywhere.net. I recently did a Netflix hidden gem about Serenity, so that's there. Um, you can, if you want to be a guest on the show, you can find me on Twitter at FromFirstToLastPod, I think. Uh, you can email me at from first to last podcast at gmail.com. Um, other than that, I don't think I have anything to announce, so anything else will be on the mini episode. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you for coming on the show, Devin. Oh, it's my pleasure. Excellent. Well, my name is Sean Fallon. This has been From First to Last. Goodbye. <laughs>